Welcome to Another Day Above Ground, a show for, by, and about baby boomers. It's the podcast for people who have no idea how to download a podcast. And now, here's your host, Dale Irvin. Welcome back, my fellow baby boomers, to Another Day Above Ground. This is the podcast that's made just for you. So if you're listening right now, please call up a friend and tell them how to download a podcast. It would really help our circulation. We do this as a team, so let me introduce you to my partners. First of all, from Denver, Colorado, please welcome Carolyn Strauss. Hey, everybody. So I am now just waiting day by day for a day that I can go hit tennis balls. Because last time I went, there were piles of leaves, like, all over the court. It wasn't hard, like, hitting the balls, but picking them up... I got so <laughs> because you can't you can't use that little rolly cart thing because it gets stuck. I was gonna it, say hit them inside, you know, and yeah, then you'll find it. <laughs> right, an indoor tennis court. No, no, no. With this whole mask wearing thing, I'm trying to play outside, get a little bit of vitamin D. All right. Well, don't they do they still make uh, white tennis balls or no anymore? Oh, they're all yellow, I think, yellow and orange. Yeah, and do you know that there are different tennis balls in Colorado than there are? There are actually, they call them high-altitude tennis balls because regular tennis balls don't bounce right here because of the altitude. That will be a physics question that I can ask Tim because Tim knows everything, and um, I didn't know why, but you have to use different tennis balls in Colorado. Well, before he answers that, let me introduce him. And she's referring, of course, to Tim Slagle, the Aristotle of comedy, who is just a font of knowledge, uh, our very own Wikipedia. (laughs) I had no idea that you had to have bigger balls in Denver. (laughs) (laughs) No, man, higher balls. I just made it. Higher balls in Denver. (laughs) So are they more or less pressurized then? They would probably be they would probably be Tom Bradyized. (laughs) <laughs> because the outside pressure the outside otherwise they're going to be too they're going to have too much pressure in them they're not going to have enough squish because wow. of the yep. because the outside pressure that's what i'm guessing well here you go my friends already you've learned something you've learned something about balls in colorado of the tennis variety and i'm sure carolyn could share other stories with us but this what we're talking is that they have different <laughs> Like I said, higher balls, man. That's why I date younger. <laughs> oh, okay. So, it's an, Tim, I, I would how, guess I would guess low altitude. I guess low altitude. You'd have to have uh, more pressure in your balls. And oh yeah, uh, Death Valley. You can feel it. Or, or I was thinking of hell because I'm sure they play a lot of tennis there, <laughs> or at least they make people watch it. Tennis and oh, cricket. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't you tell me that you don't hate watching golf? You're telling me that you think golf is more interesting to watch than tennis? No, you only put on golf when you want to take a nap. <laughs> there's, right. nothing, there's nothing more pleasant than sleeping during a golf round. The, the only thing good about golf is the routine that Robin Williams did about it. That's oh. a classic <laughs> of how it was invented. And that's the only good thing about the game of golf, I think. I say that because I, I've never, ever been any good at it. Here's a, but, here's uh, a little interesting factoid uh, uh, you might not be aware of. There are uh, 17 shots in a, uh, uh, a fifth of whiskey. 
Is that right? 17 So you have shots. one after each game? Which each is hole. why there are 18 holes in golf, because, yeah, because there's no more. <laughs> we're, we're done. I, we're, we're I, 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 that I didn't know. So that's a, that's a point well taken. Well that's going to come in handy at Thanksgiving. <laughs> after every time somebody pisses me off i'm gonna take a shot and after the 17th one i'm out i'm gone i'm done yeah, yeah what's par for this hole huh <laughs> no no pun intended and, <laughs> but but you know what golf and, and all outdoor sports now the time to play them is being greatly curtailed because we're in that dark abyss of hell called the end of daylight savings time and you know i don't know how you feel about it i blame benjamin franklin a dumbass it was all his idea and now the time has come to get rid of it what do you think i think it depends on where you live i think i i, I think you and i dale we're at the we're at the eastern edge of the central time zone and we shouldn't even be in the central time zone were you aware of this is the only reason why we're in the central time zone was to so that there would be one big city in the central time zone because it wow. were not for us the big city in the central time zone would be new orleans wow. so where should you be eastern time yeah, we're Eastern time, so they kind of stretched. They kind of stretched around Chicago to include <laughs> Chicago. So yeah, we're supposed to be on the western side of the of the uh, uh, Eastern Eastern time, which zone. is why daylight savings time feels the mo- more normal to us. Because otherwise, yeah, when we're yeah, when you get to the to, in the end of December, you're talking you're talking. It gets dark at three. At, at, right after lunch, it's yeah. time to go to bed. I mean, yeah. I hate that, you know. Yeah. It, 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 and there's really, you know, no need for it, I don't think. I mean, who doesn't like it being lighter later at night, you know, but not going the other way. I think if they're going to have it where you uh, where you lose an hour in the spring, you should be able to keep that hour in reserve and use it whenever you need it. You're late to a meeting. Here's your extra hour. Okay. I'm just saying we have to give one up. It should be our. I mean, it's our time, so uh, it should be ours. Uh, ours to use. I love that idea. I think we should. I think we should do it every week. I think there should be. <laughs> I think there should be an extra hour every week. I mean, spoken from someone who's always late for everything. That's the biggest complaint I get from all my friends is that I'm always late. So I want that hour, and I want to be able to split it up: ten minutes here, fifteen minutes there. That's actually kind of brilliant, Dale. Oh, and I also think you know because in the winter time, people tend to you know be more docile, not docile, but uh, no, not as active, and they put on weight in the winter time. So we should also have daylight scale savings. Is at the same time we turn the <laughs> clocks back, we turn the scale back ten pounds. <laughs> Isn't that all of 2020 though? Hasn't all of 2020 been like one giant? I can't go out. I need. To to take a nap and i'm eating too much it's like it's like 2020 is daylight's messed up unsavings time it well yeah it's i mean it, it's it's just one more and then of course we just had the presidential election and so you know everything in 2020 is not what we expected i don't think and I'll take that silence as an agreement on that. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Tim to say something well, funny I, and brilliant. I, well, I was, I was, I was, I, think, I I was, was thinking of it. I was trying to connect it with the fact that it's it, it's strange that it's uh, that it's it's something we'd never want to see again, and yet it also means perfect vision. Exactly. 
Exactly. 2020, Carolyn. She's, yeah, I know. No, I got it. And you heard my stupid joke, right? You can't let 2020 win because then 2021. Oh. Our, our, that, our, that's not really even a joke. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> I know. it's not a stupid joke. It's just stupid. It's not really a joke at all. Yeah. yeah what, did Tennessee, what did Tennessee take my oh, course? The same thing that Arkansas. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what did Delaware? Hey, you know, she wore a brand new, new jersey. jersey. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> brand new jersey. I never heard those before. That's wicked funny. <laughs> did Carolyn oh hear those God. jokes? I don't know, but Alaska. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. There's all oh. kinds of them. <laughs> I don't know what you do with Alabama, but, you know, we should get rid of it anyhow. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, one of the problems that we have in this particular situation, this pandemic that we're in, is, uh, you know, for baby boomers to try and figure out, what the heck is this? Where are we going? How do we get back to where we were? Because we've never seen anything like this before. So we decided to bring in an expert to help guide us through what's coming up. Her name is Joni Marks, and she is an author, an actress, and her new book is called In Spite Of, How to Renew and Refocus Your Life in Spite of What Happens to You. Joni, thank you so much for joining us on Another Day Above Ground. I love the title. So we're all above ground. That's a good thing. In spite of what is happening in our world. Exactly. We're still uh, we're still on this side of the sod, and that's always uh, that's always a great thing. So, Joni, uh, it says in your uh, in your information that you're an actress. What type of acting do you do? Anything they pay me for. But most... <laughs> that's what Carolyn does. Yeah, she's in the same market. Uh, sitcoms. I've done some movies. Um, I especially like doing live theater. Because I like the ability of taking an audience on the journey from the start, the middle, to the arc of it. And it's it's much easier, yeah, when you're in front of a live audience. We're all presenters also. And it's you know, it's real difficult to do nowadays using uh, Zoom or Skype or whatever because you you can't really uh, get any instant reaction. As far as Tim and I are comics, there's, you can't judge your timing anymore. You know, it's really uh, it's really difficult to do. But we wanted to talk about your uh, your new book, In Spite of How to Renew and Refocus Your Life, because uh, one of the things that I also read in there is that you talk about seven baby boomer myths and how to break them. And since our audience is all baby boomers, we want to yes. know how to break those myths. Actually, yes. I think we should guess yes. what they are, you guys. I think we should guess. I think myth number one is that I'm still 45. <laughs> That's my fifth. That's fifth number one. <laughs> number two is this happens to all men. <laughs> you know, actually, th this book, in spite of I'm taking these myths, and because of being on television shows and doing seminars, I realized that they're not just for baby boomers. So the title of these myths have been a change to the seven myths of love and happiness. Because these seven myths get in the way of you having the love, the happiness, the joy that you want in your life. 
So there are seven of them. So the first one I want to briefly talk about, I think is the most important, is the myth of scarcity. Now, if you go to the supermarket and there's no toilet paper, that's the myth of scarcity, you know? Everybody wants their share of what they believe is, is insufficient amount of it. There isn't enough of what you need in this world for you to be happy, for you to accomplish your goals. So therefore, what happens is that you are in constant competition with and psyching yourself against everyone else because there isn't enough of what you need in the world. So that's the myth of scarcity. Well, I grew up near Filene's basement. I don't know if any of you ever went to a Filene's basement. Filene's basement, that was not a myth, my darling friend, Jody. That was not a myth. That was, um, it, it was, there was one sweater in a size extra large. And if I didn't grab it, somebody was going to hit me over the head for it if I did. I mean, not a myth. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, you know, it goes, it goes to everything in your life. Uh, the other one I think that is very important to baby boomers is the myth of aging. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jack, it's, it's really see, not that's a what myth, Carolyn like, just you know. said. <laughs> Look, he, here's the deal. Think about this. You are younger today than you will ever be in your days to follow. This is the youngest you're ever going to be. So today you are young because tomorrow you're not going to be as young as you were today. Is and this the, the most depressing thing, is, thing we've ever heard? I think this is the, <laughs> does, that, does that mean when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to hurt more than I did today? No, because tomorrow you're going to be younger than you're going to be in your following days. So you're always younger. Think of it that way. I want whatever you're smoking, man. Is <laughs> <laughs> that aging is is natural? If you want to be above ground, then you will age, because because I dedicate my book. This book is dedicated to change the immutable law of nature, and aging happens to everything and everyone in in the world and every inanimate you know plants age animals age insects age so i think we need to really understand how negative this idea of aging is and if you go down the street and you go past these cosmetic clinics on the sign it says we cure the disease of aging. Aging is not a disease. In fact, you want to age because that means you're here longer above ground. Well, that's true. I mean, but by the, the same token, aging is really not an amusement park either. I mean, you know, there's the, uh, the older you get, the tougher it uh, becomes. But not necessarily. Because what I talk about in my book, okay, these seven myths, then there are the six steps that help you refocus and renew your life. So one of them is becoming accepting of the joy of being yourself and, and going along with what's happening in, in your life. How many Fitbit points do I get for those steps? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> you get a lot for those. I, I enjoy myself. I enjoy being with myself. It's the people around me that bug the hell out of me. 
Well, we are lucky as baby boomers because I think it's much harder to be a millennial. And I think there's a, there, so that their idea of the myths, their idea, they don't have as many, they don't have as much education. Maybe they don't have as much uh, money. They don't have as much backing behind them. But they have so a lot more other, allergies. Yeah. So the, the thing that's very important about that is, is I have another book that's called The Invisible Customer with All the Money. And that's who baby boomers are. We are not well received. We are not uh, respected for our position in society. So part of what this book is, in spite of how to refocus and renew your life, in spite of the obstacles on your path to love and happiness. So I think as baby boomers, I think the obstacle is that we are not as, we are not perceived as alive and interested at, and having things we want to accomplish and having things that we want to share with other people and other generations. So we need to be better uh, accepting of ourselves so that others can see the joy of being the age that we are, because we are not going to be that much younger. I think, no, the reason why, I, I think the reason why people don't realize we have a lot of money is because we pay for everything in exact change. And uh, <laughs> digging through that little coin purse to make sure that it comes out even <laughs> makes us yeah, look broke. That, that, that's true. I, I tend to go with credit cards. I, I, I'm not to holding your phone up, you know, yet. That, that's another way. And eventually you get a chip in your fingertip. But um, well, of, of these seven myths of, about the baby boomers I want to go back to, what's the, what's the juiciest one? I think the, uh, the myth of Prince Charming. Because the, when we grew up, Prince Charming kind of existed in, in all the golden books. And as young girls, we had to look pretty and we had to wait for the man who we liked to but he had to find us, right? And then he would ask us, and then we would jump on the back of his horse, and off we would go to our future happily ever after. But the truth of it is that Prince Charming, in the sense of these seven myths of love and happiness, represents that which you want, that which you seek. So I think one of the things in this book is you need to understand what it is you want in this world, Get a plan to achieve it. I think so Prince Charming was actually gay. <laughs> Wait, come on. His name my, is Charming. Hello. <laughs> my, my sister married King Midas. He owns, he owns a muffler franchise. <laughs> That's good. Economic security was always important to baby boomers. Absolutely, because you know everything is uh, everything is going up. Every, you know things we used to pay a nickel for today are you know four dollars, and that's uh, that's ridiculous. Um, okay, Joni, what about uh, you know? I know we talked about macrame in our in our pre-interview, and you spent twenty-seven years doing macrame. No, I was selling it. <laughs> we were selling macrame. Yes, see, David, this is something that I cannot really. Um, share with millennials because they really have no idea what macrame is but anybody they think it's a, a rocker yeah, yeah they think it's a rapper macrame 
I actually <laughs> thought you just did macrame. I'm actually impressed because uh, macrame is hard to do. Macrame is hard to do, but it's even harder to sell. Not if it's made into a hammock. A hammock is just macrame. But but macrame is you know it was done by the sailors and when they you know they what did they have they had knots they had cords so they they decorated things and learned all kinds of fancy knots so in the seventies the late seventies you know people started making macrame hangers so I was in the business of importing and manufacturing all the components and then you would take it home and you would make your own uh macrame hanging but the way that business started was was also the example of in spite of you know how do you how do you proceed because that happened because i got i was unemployed and i had no money so i had these little macrame i had these little beads and i went to the store because i wanted to sell these little ceramic beads so the guys and i showed this macrame hanger that i made so the guy said to me uh well Okay, I'm going to buy your tray of beads for $20. Oh, that was a lot of money. And he said, you know, and, and do, is this a kit? You know, this macrame hanging with the beads in it, I'll buy this kit. And I said, oh, so if I turn this in a kit, you will buy it. And he said, yes. And I said, well, well, how many will you buy? And he said, oh, I'll buy a dozen. I said, okay, I'll be back next week with them. So... <laughs> So I went to the grocery store and I tore down the uh, produce bags, which were unmarked in those days. And I went to the beach and I picked up this peat on driftwood because I called it driftwood mounted wall hanging and put my beads in it. And that's how the business started. And a week later with instructions, I went back to my store and I said, okay, here, here are my 12 kits. I'm, so it was, very, it was a very low... Uh, monetary entree into the business world. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to get over the concept that it was invented by sailors. I just can't imagine it a bunch was. of guys tying knots. Hey, matey, what are you making? <laughs> oh, plant hanger. You know, I said, they had they had other things that they were probably doing with those knots, but you know, like today they call it macrame. So where uh, where are people? Is your book released? Uh, in spite yes, of is it? My book is out, and I have it in all its forms. I have an ebook for people that would like to read it on on their iPhones or Kindles. I have an audio book, which is just beautifully done. If you want to listen to it, I have a softback book, and I can show you if you can see it, the hardback book. Right oh here. yeah, in spite of. And what? what is that that I'm looking at? That oh, that's a girl's hands in front of holding a yeah. suitcase. Okay, she's holding the suitcase. I saw what this. you saw, Dale. You scared me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> in spite, wait. So the subtitles, in spite of the fact that Prince Charming never showed up, I can still figure stuff out. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> you have to be your own Prince Charming, my dear. <laughs> oh, thank God they said Prince. They sell Prince Charming with batteries. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's great. So that's, <laughs> I like that one. So this is so the book is on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's on Google. It's on iPhone. It's it's wow, you must have a heck of a publisher. So it's everywhere you want to be. Well, good. So I okay. hopefully so, it'll be available in my washroom because that's you know where I read. <laughs> you guys are 
this you guys are a tough audience here wow Oh, no, we're not. We're just smart asses. And, you know, that's kind of what we do for a living. I think it's wonderful. I think what you're doing is great because it's a way of making it known how important we are as as a generational group. Baby boomers are. We 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 are currently the richest generation, and that will all be passed on to the millennials unless we hurry up and spend it all. But uh, but yeah, we got a lot of money, and you're right, we're not appreciated. We're the invisible uh, shopper. I wear a cap every time I go to the store. It says, "What about my senior discount?" <laughs> yes. And, and you, I'll be darned if I don't get it more than I don't. Well, I started a, a three-part spec commercial for McDonald's, which I'm still trying to sell to them. It's called the McGranny Secret. And it's about how McGranny goes in there, buys things, you know, takes the food home, changes it up a little bit, and her grandkids think she's the greatest cook, the greatest thing in the whole world, you know. Mm. And she just smiles and says, well, I'm loving it, you know. So, I would have uh, thought McGranny's secret had something to do with sailors and knots. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different book. I'm writing that one. <laughs> I do not want to know what Granny's special sauce is. I really don't. <laughs> She's a great, the McGranny's secret. She's a great lady. But that's also part of what's important about having a book like this in spite of and having it work for millennials, for Generation X, for baby boomers, is showing that the universal wisdom that if you can learn to understand yourself, if you can learn to differentiate between your true voice and this negative interject that sits on your shoulder saying, why did I say that? You know, that person's got more than I have. I'm not being respected. So you, and so you, you, the book shows you how to really listen to what it is you say to yourself. And unfortunately, what we say to ourselves is probably the most negative thing that anybody in the world has ever said to us. Sometimes we're very mean spirited to ourselves. Oh, not as mean-spirited as some people have been to me. I would never be that nasty of myself. So the point being is what I want to talk about in the very, you know, this is something we can do right now. So when you're doing automatic tasks, you know, like shaving or washing your hair or brushing your teeth, you tend to, you, you know, you're doing that and your head is sort of saying other things. So listen to what you say to yourself. And what's also interesting about what you say to yourself is that it often is in different voices. It's not just you. It could have been your mother who says things to you, it comes, comes through. So discerning what you say to yourself, who is saying it to you, gives you the opportunity to say, yes, this is correct, or no, this isn't. And this is one of the myths that I do not have to believe in anymore. I uh, can change who I am. So, so you're saying that you, you're going to hear all of these little voices coming into your head. And I'm assuming that's what people are referring to when they say, hey, he's good people, you know, because he's got all these other voices in his, in his head. They said that about Sybil a lot. Anyhow, Joni... After people read your book, if you wouldn't like get some more information from you or learn more about your different programs, how would they go about doing that? They can go to joanymarks.com, and it's marks like the Marx Brothers. Joni, J-O-A-N-I-E, M-A-R-X, like 
the Marx Brothers. Like the Marx not, Brothers, not, not the like communist the philosopher. No, <laughs> I'm related to the Marx, so I decided I would use that. <laughs> well, that's good. And you, you could, you know, you had uh, Harpo and Zeppo and Chico, and you could be uh, Jonio. I really don't know. I have to give that some thought. So, but Johnny Marx, thank you so much for sharing your uh, your ideas for baby boomers for everybody, actually, and how to learn to 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 love yourself, figure out who you are, figure out who these people are that are talking to you, and tell them to take a hike. So, uh, it's something we can uh, we can all work on. So, on behalf of another day above ground, Joni, thank you so very much for being with us. It was my pleasure to be here. Thank you all. Well, Joni Marks uh, certainly left us uh, with some valuable information and, and left us uh, smiling and and left me with a very puzzled look on my face. But, you know, it was all it was it was all great. We appreciate her being here. Don't forget to buy her book called uh, what was the name of the book? In spite of. In spite of. That's it. Yeah. In spite of the fact I couldn't remember it. Get that book, In Spite of, by Jody Marks. Other than that, my friends, we've come to the end of another show here on Another Day Above Ground. We've all survived it, and for that, we need a pat on the back. But before we go, uh, Tim, any uh, last words for the folks? Hey, just check out my other podcast, Rule of Three, with Tim Slegel and Bent Washburn. And, and that's wherever you get your podcasts, and just like this one. And uh, And Carolyn, anything to say? Yeah, so now that Halloween is over, it's time to recycle your pumpkins. So I heard that there are animals who like old pumpkins. So you can cut them up and put them out like in a forest or something. And if you don't live near a forest, then throw them away. But it's time to take your pumpkins down. The, the, the animals that like those pumpkins are called squirrels, and they're pretty much everywhere. You put, the, you put that pumpkin outside, it'll be gone in two days. <laughs> no, yeah, need, it's, it's an- no need to go to the forest, no need to cut it up. It'll be gone. They come to you. They're like the Uber of rodents, man. They come right to you. Wow, that's a nature thing. I didn't know that either. That's great. Thanks, You learned something at the beginning of the show. You learned something at the end. And we really thank you for joining us for the whole show. Until next time, this is Dale Irvin saying go out and have fun because today is another day above ground. And that's it for another day above ground. For Dale, Tim, and Carolyn, I'm Farad Muhammad. Thanks for listening.